I don't know who said it or the cadence in which they said it, but something along the lines of the craziest, riskiest things that you can do, the most out of the box things that you can do come with the best memories and moments. And I really do think that was like part of the reason, you know, I was in the midst of the pandemic when I did this. That's kind of crazy. The industry was shut down. Mm -hmm. I mean, but I had nothing else. And I was like, let me just do it. What's the worst that can happen? This is Slate It Till You Make It. I am your host, Katherine Donnelly. And today's industry guest is a model actress who was born and raised in southern Minnesota before moving to the Twin Cities for college, where she began her modeling career with local agencies. She recently made the leap and moved to Los Angeles in August of 2022 and has been a full-time model actress as of March 2023. She enjoys spending time with her dog, Nelson, who has an Instagram, and visiting local coffee shops and bookstores. Ladies and gentlemen, the Maggie Velocity. Hey, hello. <laughs> hello, Maggie. I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get there. We'll get to know each other. We'll be, we'll we'll be BFFs. <laughs> we, will, we will be. Maggie's my first cold guest on the show, you guys. I've only really interviewed friends and people I know. So this is, now I'm getting myself nervous. Maggie, how did you hear about the show? And like, why did you reach out? Yeah, so as a model and actress, in the industry. I listened to Backstages in the Envelope Envelope podcast and there was a little ad for you. And as someone who is more inclined to the commercial part of the industry, I was like, I might as well give this a listen. And I loved it. And I was like, you know what? I just want to see if I can help out and share any of my story to hopefully connect with other listeners. So here I am. Mm, I love that. I love the proactive actor hustler because we are kindred spirits in that way. I appreciate it. And Maggie is someone, you know, we, we were speaking on the phone and she is someone who did the thing that people dream about doing where they're like living in a small town. They never grew up acting, but it's in the back of their mind or their heart. And then she recently like just did the cold plunge and she is now out here and doing all of it. I agree with her. I thought it'd be really great to have someone who's just recently kind of done all of the heavy lifting of like changing their life and flipping everything upside down to do this crazy thing that we do. I'm thrilled to have you on. Before we get into your story, I'm going to ask you some questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you some questions. Don't get nervous. Did something weird happen to you this week? Like what's your most like memorable or like weird moment that happened this week? Yeah, something weird did happen actually. I'm glad this is a question. On Tuesday, I had <laughs> a go-see and this is like, this happens to me a lot, not the go-see part. I had to go print off some comp cards for it and I was just on my phone not looking where I was walking and I stepped on one of those like curb things that go in front of a parking spot that like yeah. show you where the curb is and yeah. I fully stepped on it in my heels and just like wiped out in front of a lot of people probably seven or eight people and just got up and was like whoa everybody did you see that? Like, I didn't know how to react because I was in pain, but I was just like, I got to go. Like, I'm about oh. to go to this go see. Yeah, I'm totally fine. But that was like kind of a, a weird Tuesday for me. And then I just showed up to my go see, did my profiles, did my, my whole shebang and was a little sore the next day, but we're back <laughs> at it. <laughs> I feel like the worst part of that is that there was people watching. I hate for sure. that. <laughs> like, I'm happy to fall. I don't know what those are called, those curbs that you park in. I don't think they have a name, but... 
they like ruin my car all the time because I have a Prius. And sometimes when I don't know they're there, I'll just pull a little bit too in and then they'll just be like, and then usually yeah. there's always people sitting and watching me and like, like, who's this shitty Prius driver who doesn't know <laughs> how low her car is? They're you're never, you're never alone in those situations. There's always no. someone there to judge No, you. even if, even if you think you're alone, if you look to your right, there's someone's always in their car next to you. Yes. This freaking city, people sit in their cars. You're never alone. <laughs> it is It is wildly, I feel like I'm exposed at all times. I'm sorry about that. I, I've never done a go-see. I already have questions for you, but I think we'll <laughs> kind of get into that when we talk about modeling because modeling scares me. Okay, Maggie, you reached out to me and you're like, hey, I, I'm Maggie, which is also my sister's name, which is like trippy to say. Oh, fun. I know, it's cute. It seems like we have very similar backgrounds. You worked in, you studied sports management and you're like have an athletic background, which is a very similar to me. And then you didn't grow up acting, but here you are like doing this entire thing. Can you just take us through the whole story and like what inspired you to leave your little hometown and, and also how modeling was in the, like a local setting and how scary it was to actually like pick up and leave? I mean, you came here last August. This is like, mm -hmm. are we at the one year anniversary? Um, yet? Next week. I think it's like the 12th is when we pulled in with our U-Haul. So we're very oh close to like the one year anniversary for us. Wow. Congratulations. And I'm celebrating, celebrating with you. <laughs> They're very appropriate. Yeah. Well, I wish I had a cake, but <laughs> I have coffee. <laughs> Dang, you have more than me. I do. <laughs> So I can kind of talk through it. Small town, as in like less than 400 people where I grew up. Our school was also incredibly small, but we would always hear those ads online or on, on the radio of like Disney casting. And I think that's where my first kind of introduction to, oh, maybe like I could do that, uh, be a little child star. That was like my first idea or where the spark was. And then I just really loved performing for my family and friends, but I was very like, I had such bad stage fright, even with sports and music and doing presentations. Like I could barely perform in front of my classmates if there were my peers watching, just people that I wasn't comfortable with. So I think there was like a deciding factor for me where I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to stick with sports and see what happens. Was also not the best athlete. And so that's why my college career, which brought me up to Minneapolis, like the big, big city in Minnesota, worked and studied sport management, but also was, I still had that inkling of like, I want to model and act, but still very, very scared of the industry. And just like, I didn't fit what I thought was like the norm for physical appearance. So I just never really pursued it. And then it wasn't really until the pandemic when obviously like sports were all halted. So my job just kind of dissipated that I was like, oh, what am I going to do? What if sports never come back? Or what if my job doesn't come back? And I really just had to focus on what am I passionate about? What's something I've always wanted to do with my life and how can I get there? Because I, I really wasn't, wasn't sure what was going to happen if the world was going to end, you know, with the pandemic. And so I was like, I'm just going to do what I want to do, what I have always dreamed of doing, because who knows what will happen. And fast forward to like the end of 2020, I was able to get with an agent in Minneapolis and was not doing full-time by any means, maybe like a job every three or four months. Like it was very, very slow. Definitely not a livable 
career at that point. And so worked with a creative agency that my former sports boss had connected me with. And that actually brought me to the reverse side of the camera where I was doing like commercial work for clients where I was kind of directing and producing booking talent and stuff. And I did that job all the way up to moving out to Los Angeles. I worked remotely up until March. And that's when I was like, you know what, I am gonna, I'm gonna try this modeling and acting thing full time because I had, I'd kind of booked more and more as I moved here. And then there was one big job that I was like, okay, I think I think I can do this myself. So yeah, very long, long story, but I think it's necessary to tell the whole thing. <laughs> what did you what did you think like when you said you were thinking about modeling, but you just didn't know if you fit the physical norm? What is what in your mind was that look? Yeah, I mean, I grew up with America's Next Top Model. My sister and I watched every episode together. And we're just little five, seven girlies we're not the tallest, we're not the thinnest. I think also growing up with sports, I was kind of more like bulky and built and had muscles. And that's the opposite of what I was seeing on TV. And so I just didn't think like there was any way that I could fit in with that. Yeah, it's a very specific world. So when you came out here, and were you still working for that creative marketing agency remotely? And then you like you were Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had they were fully remote the whole time I was working for them. So it was really just a change of time zone for them for me to be out here. And of course, you know, if there were any in person events, I was obviously not flying back for those. But yeah. yeah. And so you you were able to get like closer to the actual thing without doing the actual thing full time. But then what was the job that you booked that was like big enough for you to be like, I am doing this now. And then did you quit the other job? Or do you still like work here and there for them? How does that work? Yeah, I was very lucky with that agency, just because they were very flexible flexible with me and they understood that modeling and acting was like a passion of mine, but they weren't really like sure where it was going. It wasn't until in November of 2022, I booked a film that's actually coming out this Christmas. It was set to film in February and it was going to be about three weeks of filming. And I had immediately told my boss at the agency like, hey, this is going to be kind of a full time thing. And he was like, okay, I trust you. Let's see what happens, you know, when we get to February and and go from there. And production was happening at night. And so I was working days seven to three here, nine to five Minnesota time. And then I would immediately drive up to Universal Studios and we would film from as soon as I got there until about 3 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Um, and I was doing that for a solid two weeks until I hit a wall. <laughs> and, uh-huh. you know, it was kind of going crazy. And, and that's when I was like, okay, I think, like, I loved both jobs, but I think I have to make a decision. And that was kind of the, the deciding factor was to go forward with acting and modeling. Your mental health and the need to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, you would not have wanted to be near me during that point in time. (laughs) I don't want to be near myself when I don't sleep. You know, I feel like I didn't know that was the job that had changed kind of everything for you. I had assumed just thinking out loud here that it was like a modeling job. I guess what strikes me about you is that you didn't grow up acting or doing, you know, the thing. And then you've just like accelerated so quickly. I'm just curious, like, how did you come out here and take acting classes? Did you just like use your connections to get agents did you self-submit how did you learn the craft like are you still learning the craft can you walk us through the accelerated timeline (laughs) of your life (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'm I'm also kind of in shock by it all. And for the longest time, thought it was maybe just a fluke. But right. um, I like to when I think about it, because I'm like, how did this even happen for me? I'm a very competitive person with myself. And so I'm always trying to kind of like do the best that I can do. And so that means I'm constantly looking at castings and, you know, trying to stay fit and trying to stay relevant and understand the industry. I would say backstage and casting networks and all those sort of casting platforms. As soon as I knew I was moving to Los Angeles, I got very familiar with those. And those have really helped me kind of just establish myself and self-submitting. Like that's, that's really how I got almost everything out here other than maybe just seeing something on social media or LinkedIn. Casting networks is actually how I found that Christmas movie and things is kind of went crazy from there. But I also will say just having my maybe college degree or at least business understanding, having worked in the corporate realm for a little bit, knowing email etiquette and almost the sort of like sales tactics of, okay, I emailed or sent an application. Let me follow up in four to seven days, that sort of thing. So kind of a combination, but still, like I said, I am still shocked a little bit and and wouldn't be surprised if it was a fluke or if it is. I'm just, I'm still kind of in that I'm, I'm just learning how to swim phase but it's kind of crazy that it's been almost three years that I've been kind of pursuing this but I, I still feel brand new yeah I don't know you strike me as someone who's in it for the long game but in the first three years there's just so much that has happened for you did booking that film help you to get representation or did you already like have decent representation before the film I didn't really have any representation out in LA I did have an agent who was focusing on the New York market and she had some kind of contact tieovers to LA, but nothing that was really concrete enough to where she could book anything. So I was kind of on my own for that. But after I did that, I had talked with some other, because I played a, a musician in the film. And so I talked with some of the other actors playing musicians and they had a musician casting director that they went through. And so I worked with her to book a couple other gigs, including another movie where I was playing a musician. So a lot of onset networking for me, that's that's what's helped me propel a little bit too. And not even just networking, but just asking questions, I think is really important and being very attentive. I'm very grateful that I have enough patience to not be on my phone on set because that has helped me see a lot of things that maybe other people have missed. And it's a piece of advice I would give to anyone is just kind of enjoy the experience and people watch and see what you can learn, if not about the set, about yourself, how you how you fit into all the madness. We get to be on set only so often, unless we're, of course filming a movie or series regular, but the few times we get to be on set, there is so much going on. And that is such a great piece of advice. I'm a chatty Kathy. I just like talk to everybody, not in an annoying way, but I am just very much the phone is in the bottom of the bag. I literally don't care about it on set. And yeah, get to know your your makeup people and your hair people and go talk to guys who are eating at Crafty and go talk to Crafty. I mean, there's just go be a present person and, and see what you can experience and just enjoy it for sure. Mm -hmm. I think that's advice we haven't gotten on the show. Just to reiterate, everything that you had done up to that movie after the movie too was all on your own. You didn't have anyone out here clicking buttons for you or anything at all. You were actually just doing this yourself. Yeah, from August of 2022, when we landed in LA, I had booked something within two weeks of moving here. And from that point up until I just recently signed with an agent at the end of June, up until the end of June of this year, it's 
just been all me scouting and clicking and submitting. Wow, that is so cool. I mean, that's super inspiring. I feel like people use the lack of representation as an excuse to not work or be like, but how am I ever gonna? I mean, it's the easiest scapegoat people have. Mm -hmm. It does seem like your background in in business and just all of the jobs you had leading up to this have influenced how you're treating it. You're treating it like a career, not like a, I'm just in LA, like doing some stuff. You have this kind of thoughtful, like tact, uh, what's the word? Tactic, tactics, tactics. I don't know. You have like tactical. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I want to say tactful, tactical method. You have a method and it's interesting. I was talking to somebody as a super side note, a friend of mine who is a, she directs one woman shows. She had directed this woman who's like an entrepreneur in marketing. One of her dreams was always had always been to write and produce and star in a one woman show and take it to Broadway. And she's coming from a literal marketing background, literally has never done any of anything. And this woman just approached this dream of hers with such, you know, I would say like such left minded, not in an artist's way. Like it was just very like, I have to do this. I have to have X amount of rehearsal time. I rehearse by myself. I hire a director. I do this. I send out X many emails. I get all my people to come to this. I submit to this, 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 this. And this woman is taking this show, which came to Hollywood. Uh, it came to Fringe last year. Uh, now she's in Edinburgh doing this, which is like so hard. Wow. To, and I know she's going to probably sell out this show. And with the goal of taking it to Broadway, she has literally no, she started this like two years ago. She had never even sung. It's just crazy what people from like a, an entrepreneurial or business background can do when they just were like, I'm going to be an artist. And I think that's what a lot of artists maybe lack in, you know, it's what makes artists great. It's the creative bones. But to have that super type A attitude towards it is it's only going to, I think, enhance and propel you forward, which sounds like it has for you. So I am curious, did you jump into acting classes when you got to LA? What was it like when you first landed on the ground? And it seems like you you moved here with somebody like you guys were reestablishing your life, whoever you moved with, were they also going to do this thing? Or did they have a job? How was that transition? And then were you immediately like, I got to get into class and learn how to do stuff? Or were you just more like, I'm going to build a network and just try to work it that way. I moved with my husband. He is in accounting. So definitely polar opposites in terms of careers. Yeah, I a lot of my acting experience, which is still very small, is just from like very tiny theater programs as a kid. Or I know in high school, I was in a couple shows as like ensemble. Just learning from them, I was always very receptive to like instructions. And then when we got here, I was looking at classes and did a couple audits with a few different classes, but things were still kind of, and they still are kind of online. And I was nervous to kind of drive somewhere and be stuck with that routine. And so I went, again, the business route of doing online tutorials, watching like Meisner techniques through videos, reading books on that. I went to the library and was looking at different technique books. I would go to thrift stores and buy all of the acting books, which again, learning from paper is not the same as learning in person. And so that's why I think I'm I'm very lucky to have booked jobs with little experience so that I can kind of learn while working. I'm a 
I'm a visual and active learner. So sometimes I have to be kind of thrown in to really understand what I'm doing and how it how it all ticks. So you approach this like a, this is so, it's so fascinating. You're just like, I'm going to read and absorb as much information as I can and watch YouTube and master classes and blah, 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 blah. And like, I know I have to get into acting class, but I'm going to do it this way first. Because it can be daunting, right? Just like showing up to an acting class. Have you done that yet? There are some in-person classes now, but have you had your like first day walk into an acting class yet? I I have not done in person. I did one online and it must have been a weird session because it was only me and one other girl that <laughs> showed up. And so it was kind of like a personal, it was the crying day too. So we were just oh. crying with each other for about 40, 50 minutes. Um, oh my God, that's my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I... So, and there are definitely a lot of like fears with me and, and as you can see, like I, if this has been my dream for my whole life, but I'm just getting into it the past three years, I'm full of excuses and full of kind of anxieties about the industry still. So that's one thing that I'm like still trying to get over that obstacle of going into an in-person class. The last in-person thing I did was back in 2019. I did an improv class back in Minnesota and, and that was a little bit mortifying as well. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, nothing too crazy yet. If you have any suggestions, again, that's, that's why I listen to podcasts and stuff too, of like what everyone suggests. And I'll always try something once. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, depending on what your goals are, I think a million percent improv all the way, if you're, you know, wanting to, to do more commercial work, but also I think it just enhances all auditions to have that level of comfortability, comfortability. Yes. And that looseness and being okay with just in between moments and then living in moments moments and filling in the gaps, filling in the blanks or not filling in the blanks. It's just making choices. It's it's such a tangible skill set that I think every single person who moves to LA needs to get into improv, even if they're not planning on doing comedy or whatever. But if you're going to be an actor, you got to have improv. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think improv is like, like even the reason I took the classes for school like it was one of the design classes and they just brought in an improv coach because it could help people open their minds to inventing new designs I think it's so crazy how the industries kind of overlap in that sense of like improv is beyond acting and and modeling yeah I I want to do it again for sure I have a a couple friends who are in some classes that I'm meant to tag along with but yeah yeah, trying to to get over that personal obstacle of mine the, the fear that I have well the good thing about improv and I think it's a universal like a lot of yeah like you said a lot of company corporations are like we're bringing improv coach in or what literally it's a it's a thing that every you know people are encouraged to do not just in the in the industry but it does help to know that like when you sign up for like a 101 class or beginner or intro there's going to be a lot of non-actors in there who are just like I just want to get out of my comfort zone and everyone's extremely uncomfortable because it's basic improv so it's uh you won't be alone is my point. It's really, it feels like the scariest thing in the world, but it is a very safe space. And most good improv teachers will make you feel safe because if you don't feel safe, it's very hard to do improv. (laughs) Yeah. If you feel like under attack or in a negative or bad environment, it's like, it's all of the things, but you're, you know, it's all about feeling really stupid and Mm -hmm. getting over it and just sitting in your own skin and being okay with that. So great idea. Highly recommend. I want to talk about modeling. I don't, 
hormones. Like I said earlier, modeling does scare me, but I'm sure some people listening maybe wanted to dive in or they're curious. And I am very curious how much of what you're doing now is modeling auditions or go-sees or whatever. And can you talk about the types of modeling you do, how someone would get into modeling and yeah, yeah I guess your general perspective on modeling and why why you enjoy it. Yeah. If, if you um, enjoy it. <laughs> I, I love it. It's it's something that, you know, when you have an idea and a dream as a kid and, and then you actually do it and you're like, oh, this wasn't as cool as in my head. That's the opposite of this. Like I love modeling and the idea of like, you know, telling a story in a still almost. I originally did editorial, which is like the magazines, the Vogue cover sort of thing. Not my greatest fit and also just not what jobs kind of job postings were advertising for. A lot of that is commercial modeling, lifestyle modeling, product modeling. And so that's, I kind of morphed into that. And really modeling out here is just a commercial, but without the video camera. It's just a lot of, you know, moving around, showcasing the product, even having conversations with the other actors on camera, doing some improv, and then they're capturing that all. And yeah, I would say it's about 70-30 modeling to commercial acting right now. It's a lot of fun. I What other questions do you have? I, I love talking about it. So I will talk about it. I'll, I'll talk your ear off about this. <laughs> I guess it's just like, I'm, I'm so intimidated. I, I worked at a couple like as a casting assistant for so many years, some of my bosses would run modeling jobs. And full disclosure, I didn't love working them because I felt I felt a lot of things when I was seeing all these models come in. And I, I don't know what it was. I was like, Oh, this is all based on a look and I this is not why I'm here it's not what I want but I was like this isn't about me I'm just working a day job but they would come in with the packets of, of pictures of them and then then they go in and, and we just take pictures and like that was it and also I guess that process to me doesn't feel fun because it's all based on a look but it sounds like when you're on set it's not that it's like more like the storytelling and the thing so I'm trying to find what my question is I guess as, as somebody who I feel like I have an aversion to modeling if you couldn't tell I'm like self-editing as I'm talking. <laughs> I, I've done one or two and I feel like awkward. I mean, I've done a couple of fitness modeling things and I feel a lot better because I, you know, I'm a trainer and a yogi and all these things for so many years because I'm like doing a thing, but just like kind of the standing and like moving my body is arbitrarily feels really uncomfortable. Probably like an improv class for you. I would just be like, ah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if there's any questions in there. I guess I'm just like, it's amazing to me that, you know, it's more than that. I guess I I only saw it as like this one thing where it's all a look but can you take us like deeper into modeling? Yeah, it's um, it, it at the end of the day with the client and the casting director it kind of is a look um, but a lot of it too is your personality and how can you kind of bring something new to set. Um, castings are a lot different because yeah, you're right. You are just kind of walking in and maybe they take five or six pictures. You might say something to a camera, but that's about it. And you are looking at yourself and other people a lot, especially if it's a big open casting. That was one thing that personally I, I had to get over was comparing myself to the people around me. The listeners can't see, but having red hair and blue eyes, if I go to a casting for that sort of person, I am, it's like the movies. I'm going to walk in and, and see 20 people that look very similar to me and in my head, maybe better than me. But at the end of the day, it's, it's still the same sort of decision as a 
audition, a commercial audition. It's if the client likes you, great. If they don't, it's on to the next. And so you can't take it personally. You can't, you know, get in your head about it. And what I love about modeling is I can be on set for five minutes and if the camera guy and I click, camera guy or girl and I click, we uh, can take 20 great shots and I barely move an inch each time, but it looks so different. I'm mesmerized by how slight uh, change of an angle of my face or my shoulders can nail it for the product that I'm selling or the product that I'm, I'm helping sell. And I think just the technique of modeling too is a lot of fun because depending on the set, you can be very playful or you can, you can be very stern and serious, or maybe you're a fitness person. So you get fake sweat sprayed on you and you get mm-hmm. to run around and it's just a lot of fun. It, it's a lot like a commercial, but again, it's maybe more specific and you do have to hold poses a little bit longer. So having some of that core balance and core strength is, is important. <laughs> I figured out what it is that I, I'm like averse to with modeling because I feel like a lot of modeling and I'm putting it in quotes because the job that is modeling is a lot of showing up with your thing and waiting and being looked at and then leaving. And to me, that's a lot of the job, right? You don't get to be on set all the time because that, that would be great. But like we only book a certain amount of jobs a year. So I suppose for me, I'm like, well, this all feels like it's based on a look because that's what it is. It's a zero control game. Maybe I feel like I have more control with commercial or theatrical auditions because I can put in time and effort into prepping and doing the things. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I have a certain brand and a vibe. It's just me doing the thing. But I can also bring in like jokes and this and that. And with modeling, I just feel like you're stripped down to it a look. And maybe that's just something I would need to get over if I ever did it. But to me, that feels doing that over and over and over again and just showing up and like, here's what I look like. Here's what I look like. Here's what I look like. To me, that doesn't feel fun. But I could see how being on set, of course, would be awesome because it's a Mm -hmm. whole different thing. And it's a technical, I mean, it's definitely a skill set. I suppose just the process to get there sounds exhausting and triggering to me. (laughs) Yeah, I will. I fully understand where you're coming from, too. And I look at it maybe glass half full of like, hey, at least I didn't have to, you know, memorize two, three paragraphs. I just got to come in today and they took my picture where, you know, for a commercial, I'm spending as much time as I can looking at that script and seeing how I can make it my own. The other thing too is like with modeling, I think I just really enjoy physically becoming like a different character where sometimes with acting and commercials and, you know, how to's, you're just kind of, it's the inflection of your voice or maybe how you express yourself, but being able to just actually jump into, you know, a new fitness line or putting on a really cute dress that this designer is selling. Like, it's just nice to be able to physically morph into someone else for a day. And I think that's, that's maybe where my passion stemmed from is just the idea of um, being a character. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it sounds really cool once you get to the thing. Yeah. Once, Once you, you get there, it's it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I would love to be morphed into something besides myself, but I don't want to wait in lines with photos of myself to get there. Maybe one day, who knows, maybe I'll become a model. So now I'm interviewing you on how to be a model. <laughs> <laughs> so when you first started self-submitting for projects in LA, did you, you had headshots from your, like living in what Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. Had you taken headshots with a photographer there or did you have just like pictures of yourself and how did, how did that work? 
work? And then did you come here and get new headshots right away? Were you like, I got to rebrand? Or were you just kind of cruising with what you had? And did you think if you got new ones, did they help you? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, for sure. I had a pretty good portfolio from Minnesota. I had worked with my Minneapolis agents on just doing a lot of tests for print, which is basically where you collaborate with a photographer and you get a handful of photos in exchange for them, you know, just trying out either a look or if they are just looking for experience. And so I was able to move to LA with a decent portfolio of that. And then I also had a pretty bad commercial reel, if I'm being honest. It was a lot of like, I did live TV segments where I was basically like a live model showing off some clothes or different styles on these almost like QVC style segments in Minnesota. which which does not relate at all to what I was going for but experience is experience (laughs) yeah if it asked for a reel I put a reel in there they didn't ask for a good one so that was my kind of reasoning behind it but yeah when I got here my trick was to I knew a few people out here already in LA and so I was looking at their portfolios and seeing you know who the credited photographer was looking at the photographer's portfolio and seeing if it matched the style that I was looking for or the style that my agent in Minnesota was suggesting. And so from there was able to immediately get some new headshots. And yeah, I just through backstage and casting networks, you can kind of put photos in as you please and how you see fit. And so if I noticed, you know, a specific look, I also have a dinky little tripod. So I was taking some faux uh, photographer kind of professional looking photos on my balcony and just went from there. You just did like the test shoot kind of tried to get free stuff, exchanging your time for their time, went that route and then saw what stuck sort of a thing. Yeah. And I will say too, with that, it's, it can be a dangerous game to play. And that's where having an agent or like I said, knowing someone who has shot with them is really, really beneficial because you never know what kind of person a photographer can be. You also want to make sure you're getting your time's worth because time is also money in this industry. And so if you're spending two hours with this photographer and then you realize the photos are maybe poor quality or too edited or too artsy, you Mm -hmm. can't use those. And also now you potentially have bad photos out that could harm your portfolio rather than help it. More than anything, when I got to LA, it was a lot of scouting, researching, looking, looking at people's backgrounds, portfolios, and seeing what really fit with my interests. Yeah. So just a lot of digging into the world of other people's things. And then you're like, I connect with this. I am going to kind of follow this person and see where they got theirs or research this person. You sound like a very diligent person. And as you were talking, I realized my very first job ironically was a model job. And I I know I have to say this because I've never shared this on the show. Before I had an agent, it was legitimately my first job was I did a fitness shoot for Fabletics. They paid me very little. It was through a friend from college, and I but I got to like keep all the clothing, and it was really cool because like I love Kate Hudson, and I just was like, man, I'm really kicking this off. And it was kind of like right after I got my first set of fitness headshots, and I wasn't going for the model thing, but I I just it kind of like worked, and I used a lot of those photos to submit for other jobs. So it was it was mm-hmm. nice. Like I only got paid five hundred dollars, and it was like an internal shoot where they used it for like whatever internal things they were using it for. But um, I wasn't like on a magazine, but I felt I got to go to their studio um, studios in El Segundo. And it was it was really cool. But I will say the first shoot I booked, I was with a, an agency called Naturally Fit. That was my first agency out here. Yes, I, I went I've, to a casting I think I've call. I've heard of them. Yes, okay. Yes, 
I did this so long ago. I went to a casting call in Burbank and I was like looked at and take photos taken. And then they're like, hey, we can work with you. And I had to pay them a monthly fee to be part of their freaking roster, which I didn't know was a no-no. But I got, I booked like my first job with them directly. And my first job with them was a trampoline model on the Home and Family Show at Hallmark over at Universal Studios. And I had to just jump on a trampoline and show four exercises. I didn't even have a real to show, but they booked me off of like a look, right? And so I, I go to set at Universal Studios, really cool. And and here's a, net, a crazy networking story. I mean, you just never know. Okay, so I was with this agency that I was fucking paying to be with, which none of you guys should do, by the way. But I go on to set and they're like, all right, well, we're gonna take you over to the producer and then we're gonna figure like, you know, then you're gonna make up and this and that. The producer of the show was one of my childhood best friends that I had lost contact with, who I oh. was in Girl Scouts with, I went to church with, I grew up, she was like, neighborhood friend. She was a producer on the Hallmark show, the home and family show. And I'm like, oh my God, insert name here. And we just reconnected on set, which is wild. So then I got to get to know her again. And then she asked, she reached out again and she's like, hey, we're basically, I got my sister on that show to do the makeover. They have like a makeover segment where they take someone and then they color the hair and cut their hair and give them this and a bunch of clothes. And they're like, we need someone. Would one of your like siblings be (laughs) willing to do it? And so like, I got to come back and bring my sister to set for the day and like escort her. So I got to just be her like guardian and do a whole another day on set. And it was just like really cool, even though I did the trampoline thing, which I felt like silly doing, but I felt really, I just wanted to be around people and be on set. And it was really fascinating to do that. And it was a modeling job. And I, maybe I just kind of like blacked it out from my past, but um, (laughs) I didn't really book any since, but it was my first two jobs ever, ever, ever in this industry was a short film. And then the Fabletics thing and then then this trampoline thing and then never never again but never say never i i have four things to say about this they've been <laughs> tallying up over here one okay. <laughs> i am jealous of the trampoline and fabletics things that sounds awesome and right away like those were your first ones i'm jealous right away thank you i was very giddy i i was it was that thing where and and i hope you don't forget your other three things it was that thing where i was so new and i was like just that fresh there is something about like that new actor energy where you're like, I'm doing it. That the first like few jobs you get feel like magic and also feel kind of like fake. And they're very enjoyable. No matter how much or little you're getting paid, you're like, whoa. And like, these are big names. Like I was like Fabletics one day and then I was at Universal Studios the next whatever few weeks later. And it was just like weird. And then the stars, I felt like they were aligning because it's like, oh, I ran into my friend here and then I get to go back. And yeah, you just, you just follow the thread. Yeah, that was, that kind of is the second thing I was going to say. It's like when you're new to the industry or even every once in a while, you'll get a job that maybe isn't the best paying or maybe it's not you know doesn't align with what your end game is but it's just fun it's and it's cool and it's like kind of almost humbling or eye-opening to think about oh I'm just doing this like silly little trampoline shoot but look at how silly it is and that's our job that's what we get to do is just whatever the heck people ask us to do and sometimes it's really really goofy yeah and I'm jumping in again because I'm thinking about my trampoline and (laughs) being on that set and they had a couple of like they do different segments on the home and family show I don't know if they're still running it but it takes place in a movie house on the lot and every few minutes the Universal Studios tram tour would come by and all these tourists would look over the fence in the backyard where I was jumping and they would all get their cameras out and like start taking pictures and I felt really really fucking cool 
cool. I'm sure they're taking pictures of the celebrity who's being interviewed, which is some, oh, who was it? It was some beautiful blonde. Oh my God, what was her name? She was in The Heartbreak Kid, Ben Stiller. No. Oh, wait. Ooh. I know the face. I don't know her name, though. Okay. I'm not good with names. Okay, I'll tell you. Malin Ackerman. Malin, uh, Malin Ackerman, if you look at her up. She's okay. just like this beautiful bleach blonde hair. Anyway, I don't know how I remember this, but this is so long ago. She was being interviewed on the stage, and I was like still on the trampoline, and I felt like they were all taking pictures of me, but it, you know, a girl can dream, and it felt yeah. special. <laughs> well, and that's so, that's so fun about Universal Studios. That's where the Christmas movie was filmed, and, and the trams came around every few minutes, and they all waved and took our picture, and I, I felt really good. But I was like, this is, you guys are going to be, I don't know, disappointed that you're taking pictures of just, <laughs> of just little old me, nobody on on the, the big stage. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. And I will say this is number three. The industry itself is so much smaller than you think. Like I have done jobs on a Tuesday and then I'll book something for a Friday and oh my gosh, it's the same actress I was working with on Tuesday. How yeah, the heck the did same, that happen? Or the same wardrobe. I've booked a job where I did like usually you book in in succession like usually I feel like everyone just book book books and then you don't book and I booked once I booked a job two jobs in one week and it was I was shooting like four days on two different commercials same wardrobe lady from one to the next she was so cool she was from my hometown and when I showed up to the next job at the fitting it was just really cool this was last year it was really cool because she's just like oh oh it's Catherine like she she brings the best stuff she's here they felt taken care of because they know because I always show up with a bunch of I go above and beyond when I bring clothing to fit no matter what kind of job it is, I bring mm-hmm. really good shit. And I just felt like I already knew her and it was like a cool thing to do to like walk into a set and to just be like, what's up? She's yeah. like, Catherine. And we just had rapport and I was like, I just saw you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that is very cool too. I, I haven't necessarily experienced that yet. I'm more at the stage where it's like, wait, did we, have we worked together before? What, what were you doing February 17th? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were, yeah, you were on crew. Okay. Like I have those conversations, but I did witness my friend Amy she well now she's my now friend Amy but she had come on set the other day and everyone was like Amy Amy and it was like a superstar moment for her and I was just like I don't know who this lady is but I gotta find out like she seems <laughs> so cool and she was just another you know like featured background or day player with me but I was like wow what are you from she's like I don't know we just we all know each other I guess <laughs> and that's that's how it is that's just how small this world kind of is and I love it I love that I'm like, I was so nervous that I wasn't going to be able to make any friends out here because I didn't really know anyone moving out here. And now it's just kind of like accidental friendships of like, hey, I'll probably see you on set again. I I don't care that I we didn't have time to exchange numbers. I'll I'll probably see you again. Like that's it's a fun energy, a fun vibe for everyone. Yeah, and the longer you're here, the more of that type of thing starts to happen. Especially like, which is why I would encourage you to jump into classes and you create you create that community, and then you create the audition pass passerby community, and then you create like an onset community, and and then there's just all these little mini families all over, and then they all like spill over, and then like this person actually knows this person, and then you get invited to their barbecue, and then. And it's like this, it's it's a very weird, we don't all go to the same building and work in the same office every day, but we all live in this town and it is really small. It is so freaking small. There's just so many, I have so many moments where I'm like, for example, right now, I got a text, not in this conversation, but about an hour ago, I was prepping for this and I got a text from my very good friend. He's like, hey, I'm at a fitting right now for Dave and Buster's, which is a, a campaign I did, I did in May for them. And he's like, hey, 
I'm at a fitting for Dave and Buster's and I'm talking to the director right now and he, like we were like Where, where's Catherine why isn't she here and, and he's like I had a callback for this upcoming campaign and he's like oh we loved her um, oh my god that's so crazy he's the guy I'm talking about is calling me right oh my now gosh. that would be so funny if, hold on, let me answer because this is gonna be hilarious hey Farron hey hey I'm recording my podcast and not, no shit I'm talking about you <laughs> I'm talking about you right now Oh, that's fucking funny. You're in the uh, microphone. Oh, yay. Hi, everybody. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, uh, good luck. And, uh, yeah. No, but uh, this is a story I'm telling, so I want you to be here for it. How was your fitting? Oh, oh the fitting was so great. I mean, like, World War VII is awesome. Like, every there is, is amazing. They gave me lunch. It was awesome. They did. Uh, they gave me lunch last time, too. I'm like, I'm a princess. <laughs> right? I'm like... Yeah, I get Jones on there too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, Mendocino Farms, yes, please. <laughs> yes, oh, so great, so great. Wait, how uh, how was it? I'm gonna. This is gonna be in the the episode. So tell us everything oh, about your fitting and say hi to Maggie, okay. who I'm interviewing. Hi, Maggie. Hi. Uh, how's it going? I don't think you can hear um, me. The uh, the fitting was great. They ended up fitting me with the loudest outfit possible. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing. I'm not sure what I can say or not say or what you know whatever like I'm you know they cast me as a teacher and so I'm it's going to be very very funny and I found out who my castmate is I don't know if I can share that so I'm like well, you know but it's going to be really really fucking funny are you uh, sh- you're not shooting at the the actual um, arcade right you're going to be at a different location I think we're going to be shooting at a training facility slash stadium in Oxnard oh. um, if that gives you any hints (laughs) i'm bad at sports references but i will google it later (laughs) right there's a there's a stadium for some people that like to play uh, a a football ah in oxnard in oxnard and it's like their training stadium and they usually live in dallas but uh okay yeah okay um how many days are you shooting i'm not sure i think i think just one i think it's gonna be on sunday oh um yeah, but it's going to be with a very large person, and it's going to get a real reaction out of me. So I can't wait to do it. Um, so so <laughs> crazy because because I, I did the callback for that exact scene, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Which now yeah. now we're just talking in cryptic language because that's what actors do. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> but I'm we 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 know what they don't, but we absolutely guess. So you're going to be filming with a celeb a celebrity. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's pretty rad. When I found out, I was just like, oh my God, I got to tell my nephews because they're the biggest fans of this of this person. Sport. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, of this, and of this person because they live down there. And so uh, wow. it's, it's real hard because I'm, I'm bad at keeping secrets, but I'm, I have to on yeah, this one. Yeah, so, I know. Yeah, you know. I uh, got to see pictures of all the other castmates. I, I got to meet Gam Gam. Uh, I was like, oh, you were <laughs> almost my Gam Gam. And she. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, did you get to see what uh, such and such looked like? And she goes, yeah, he's Asian. And I was like, that totally makes sense why the, I didn't go my way. The role that you went in for originally. Was, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and so the Gam Gam was the grandmother for the people that are out there. The, the grandmother, the character that I went out for. And she was, uh, she's this little... The old Asian lady just, I mean, she's a, she's a firecracker is what she is. Like she was, she was like, da, 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 oh yeah, it just pisses me off. Or, you know, she just like say like the random stuff, but I was just like, you're hilarious. Oh my God. I, lo- I can't yeah. wait to see this. 
Yeah. Okay. But, uh, I need to ask you so many questions, but my my la- my not my last question because I'll call you back after we're done filming. Are okay. did you meet Tom? I didn't get to meet Tom. He's on the way in, and they're like, "Oh, you're done." I was like, "No." Oh no. Uh, we will we will know. all go get drinks or something. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Everybody keeps talking about him, and I'm like, I can't wait to meet Tom. Yeah. Remind me, did you are have you already worked with David? David's a director. If you guys yes, you have on that. Um, yeah, T-Mobile is, um, commercial? Uh, yeah, that and uh, Peloton commercial. This is my this is your uh, third this time. My third project with David. Oh man, and, fuck uh, you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off. That's so fucking cool. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, I'm yeah. gonna call you immediately after. But you guys, everyone listening, this this is Farron Marcus, Farron Gonzalez. Why in my phone is it? Is it Gonzalez or Marcus? Why do I have Marcus? It's it's, it's all the things. I am I am Farron Marcus <laughs> Gonzalez. I you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I go by Farron. Farron is an amazing actor. I met him <laughs> online in the pandemic in a Zoom acting workout group uh, like yeah. three years ago. And we are like a little bit like kindred spirits in the commercial world where we are super nerdy and we go out for the same stuff. And we want and we're always like playing tag on commercial bookings and we haven't worked on set together yet. But it, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. happen. Yes, I believe it with every fiber of my being. That God, we're going to be too. like, I believe book this thing you're like I booked this thing I'm like holy shit same day we're so close this time we were so close we were close close. on Peloton we were close on this one but oh man on the the magician short film I know it's gonna happen okay well I love you so much thank you for calling into the show this was impeccably timed you guys this is not me editing in I'm this is all real time no I I literally (laughs) walked out and because she had said like welcome to the Dave and Buster's family and I was just like ah I'm gonna call her actually when I am done because you know I like talking all the things and her last experience and you know just just a chance to nerd out with with Kath Don again so Kath Don so just... Dave and Buster's commercial family <laughs> uh, <laughs> if anyone out here listening books of Dave and Buster's commercial you have to call call me when you're when I'm recording an episode and I will uh, interrupt it for only for you that's yes, gonna be yes. that's gonna be my new rule on this podcast phone call <laughs> Please hold. Well, um, I'm going to call you soon. I'm actually listening to your podcast right now uh, on the way in, and uh, I'm going to finish it. It was with uh, Willie. Great episode. Thank you. Um, Yes. Yeah. All your episodes are great. Anyways, have fun. You're great. All right. Much love. Bye. All right. Love you. Bye. Okay. Wow. That was crazy. But my whole point on that was thank you for bearing (laughs) with me, Maggie, is Farron was telling me, he was texting me from the fitting, and he was just like, "Uh, hey, I'm with the director, David, and, and they were like you were being heavily considered for this one too and they all are like they love you that you're awesome and I wish that we were doing this one together and so I was like oh that's so nice to hear it's just so nice to hear but I, I guess I'm sort of going back to the thing where it's just this the world gets smaller and smaller and people are talking about you and you may not know that that's happening my motto has been like I am not too small for any job and my mantra and you know when you start transitioning to just SAG only then uh, you have to like make that decision. But as you're moving through non-union to SAG to full 
voice ag, I think is important if it if it is a good enough rate for you to work to get that experience being on set and to know that you never know who you're going to meet and who can connect you to your next job or your next best friend or your next partner or anything. The, the, mm-hmm. It's just keep putting yourself out there. And that seems like your strategy with like you were and I self-submitted. I don't do it as much anymore. I got kind of like slower because I was getting more opportunities rapidly with my representation. And I have an agent, a manager and a theatrical agent as well. So if you want experience, submit for student films, submit for cheaper things or whatever it is. Like if you want experience, don't let the excuse of, of a day rate get in the way. This is a city of, of knowing people. It is mm-hmm. a city of who you know. There's no substitute for that. Yeah. At all. Yeah. I would say too, like, I mean, now that I have an agent, I almost have to reverse my like energy and uh, tactful method, whatever we had said earlier, because yeah. they're doing a lot of that for me, which is great. And I can focus on other things and maybe kind of be more selective of what I do. Yes. Because, because it is at the same time, how I was saying with like a test for print, if you're getting new photos, but maybe the photographer is not the best. Yeah, they're free photos, but now you have free kind of half-assed photos. The same can happen with a job too. You have to be selective on kind of what, what will put your best foot out there and what will represent you the best. Because I have done commercials where maybe I see how they edited it afterwards or worse, someone I, I know sees it and I'm like, hmm, that was not a great one. That was mm. one that I just did because I was nervous of not being busy enough or maybe not booking enough. And so that's Mm -hmm. another like, I guess, bittersweet part of the industry is like knowing when if you're self-submitting, knowing your worth and the worth of the project. That's something an agent really does help with is understanding that worth. Totally. And as you progress and you're booking better and better jobs, the fear of not being busy sometimes creeps in and you're like, well, I'll, I mean, I'll do it. I'll take this kind of shitty job because otherwise I'm just sitting here or I'll submit for this. But it's like, it it is up to you to make those boundaries and make your minimums like I only work for X thousand dollar buyout now I only do this now and to to feel confident and empowered in your ability to decline an opportunity an audition and to communicate with your manager like guys it is not bad to say no to stuff it's actually really important and I do think people maybe start to take you a little more seriously when you're like no I'm not going to work for $300 a day on a non-union commercial where I'm like I have lines like that's everyone needs to move out of that also there shouldn't be that those rates those are shitty rates you know and also you got to work into this business so there are it's like it's all a sliding scale so if you're just starting out like maybe that's like I was stoked to get my $500 Fabletics thing because I didn't know that maybe I should have been paid like a couple thousand dollars for that but I didn't feel taken advantage of I was just like I want to be on set and learn how to work my angles and and show off my body or whatever I was thinking about at age 24 yeah all this to say you will progressively get more selective with opportunities and it is scary to turn things down and to say no and to not be as busy but it is part of the journey and developing you your professionalism and your worth yeah you want to be working on the big stuff ultimately right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and I and I it's like legitimately a, a learning curve too of like you had said it like if it's your first job that's probably a fair pay I personally kind of uh learned the hard way of like oh you can be paid 
a lot more. I know. Um, I just haven't been paid a lot more. And that's another thing that my agents have, have thankfully taught me or just having conversations again. That's why it's great to have friends in the industry to be able to have those open conversations of like, oh, they negotiated or their agent negotiated for them. Mm. And I could have been way better off, but I just didn't know where I'm at now. I'm only 25, so I'm probably going to make a lot more mistakes, but I'm starting to learn what a job is worth. And if I'm speaking, what that's worth, if I need to memorize things, what's, what is that worth to me? What's it worth to my agent, the production, all the above and going from there. I am a person who is bad with downtime. And so that's where my anxiety comes in a little bit too, of like, oh my God, I've had four days off. What am I doing? Like in between auditions, do you get a little uh, in your head? Yeah, for sure. And I've had to learn to just kind of like separate it from myself. Like, okay, I submitted or okay, I'm driving home. That's it. What's yeah. moving on. I can't think about it too much anymore because it's it's not worth it. Your brain power isn't going anywhere with that. So just no, think about and it, something else. Exactly. You know, everybody who has a traditional day job, nine to five job. So industry aside, there are times in normal jobs that sometimes it's slow. And so I know they're getting paid a salary or whatever, but there are going to be slow times and the ebbs and flows are real. I think it's like flipping that switch in your in your brain, which it does take time for sure to just be like, work is slow this week. You can phrase it like, mm-hmm. hey, work is slow this week. I'm going to catch up on administrative things or I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to go like hike a bunch or do it like, I don't know, a day, a day trip to Santa Barbara or the beach or whatever, like kind of switch gears and work is slow. So catch up on stuff, do you or have things that can fill in those because it'll all it'll all come back. And especially at a time like this, where the industry is at a complete standstill, but there are still commercial auditions trickling in and voiceover and and surely modeling. I don't think it's as like rapid fire, but everybody listening needs to know that once the industry does open back up fully, y'all going to be inundated. We're going to be swimming in shit, Mm -hmm. (laughs) literal shit. And it's kind of like that, that thing where I was talking to a friend, the after the pandemic moment, where I think it was really in 2021 halfway through 2021, everything started just rapid fire trying to make up for lost time. And in 2022 was notoriously the biggest year for some, the biggest year for some of the casting directors that I know, like the biggest year of work where they were just like, I got 20 jobs between in like January to February. And I've never had that many jobs in my life where we're making up for lost time. So everyone, I think it's like, we got to embrace the slowness, do what you need to do, but just know that this is not a forever thing. And, mm-hmm. and then we can take this like lesson and apply it to the future when there's smaller ebbs and flows and it is okay but it works slow it feels like a, a very like I don't know safe phrase where you can take yourself out of it nothing's wrong with you because it's slow yeah. like you just need to work on flipping your mindset to just be like cool or like for me I always need a creative through line when things are slow for me which is why I dive into like I go in rabbit holes of like I, I did stand-up comedy for years I still do a lot of writing and I get I do it cyclically or I did improv forever and I was writing web series or I'm writing a short, I like to have a creative through line. So when things are slow, for me, this show right now is like a super duper through line where it is extremely fulfilling. I'm having good conversations. It feels like I'm contributing my voice creatively to the world. And uh, it's very enjoyable. The time passes pleasantly. I'm not pining away for said audition. And it just gives me like an anchor outside of the, the other things I do. But we often forget when we're just like chasing auditions and waiting and da 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 that we have the, the ability 
ability to create on our own mm-hmm. for at, at any time. You can create out of nothing, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that the through, for me, having a nice, strong, steady through line to express myself has always helped my anxiety because I am very anxious all the time. Mm-hmm. I developed anxiety and depression as a teenager. And so it took me a long time then to figure out what my coping mechanisms were to kind of get out of that hole. Different reasonings for those feelings back then than now, but I still use the same coping techniques. It's playing piano, it's Mm. drawing or, you know, hanging out with my dog, Nelson, who we should definitely talk about because he's amazing. You know, finding little things that just make you feel happy that also take your mind away from the stresses of, did I say that line right? What was that blank expression on the director's face after I finished my audition? Get all the worries out and just focus on what's in front of you. That's what I'm trying to do now. Yeah, exactly. And And I do think early on in your career, everything is a lot more heady and you're you're overthinking and you're wondering and it's just part of being newer at something and like you have to there's no way to expedite that as outside of just reps and just continue continuously doing them and moving through it and just knowing that like there will be a point where it becomes less like you critiquing yourself and playing it back in your head and more of like I went in I was as prepared as I could be this is this is what I have to offer this is my version of what they want take it or leave it and and walk away and just it doesn't have any weight it's like the less weight you can give this thing which is very hard because a lot of us it's all we've ever wanted is to just work Mm -hmm. in this industry but you know there's people I talk talk to on the show that are at that level of like, you know, and it's maybe it's because they have other things. They're selling pilots, they're writing shows, they're they're directors, they're DPing, or they're just, they have a baby or they have a new, they just got married. Like there are other things that are more important that can, that can take the weight and the pressure off of this thing that we are dying to do. And mm-hmm. that is just a time, that's a time thing. Yeah. And a prioritizing thing. And sure. you got to find things that are more important than this. For sure. It's like a recurring piece of advice from every single guest. Yeah, Yeah. I feel it. There's no way. There's no way outside of it. What is the most valuable piece of advice you've given so much, but like to people who are listening and they're in their small hometown thinking about like, well, maybe I could move to Los Angeles and do the thing. Maybe I am good enough or I don't know if I am. I can't leave my remote uh, IT job. What would you have to say to someone who's like, really thinking about it and really just they know they want to do it but it's just a hard thing to justify yeah I don't know who said it or the cadence in which they said it but something along the lines of the craziest riskiest things that you can do the most out of the box things that you can do come with the best memories and moments and I really do think that was like part of the reason you know I was in the midst of the pandemic when I did this that's kind of crazy. Like the industry was shut down. Mm -hmm. I mean, but I had nothing else. And I was like, let me just do it. What's the worst that can happen? And I will also say like 90% of the time you are in the way of your own goals. That's what I'm dealing with too right now. It's just like, if my goal is to get out of bed at seven, I need to set that alarm and I need to get up and do it. It's not any other excuse. Same thing with this. Like if I want that job, I just have to audition and try my best. And if I can't get it, move on to the next. It's that's really what it is. And the last thing I'll say with that one too, is like I was working a full-time job and had to say no to auditions for a long time because it was contradicting with my full-time job. But I was always in my head, like, I just want to wait until 
I've been booking enough so that I feel confident to leave my job. Mm. And someone was like, you're not going to book enough because you have a full-time job. You just have to do it. You're mm. as you're going to book as much as you give yourself availability for. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was like, you're right. I just have to kind of take that step, make that crazy move and it'll all be worth it. And here I am. So far, that is true. <laughs> the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. And yeah. that is so true in all things. And I think it's like, if you leap, there will always be a net and people are in the way of their own. People get in the way of their own goals. It's no one. It's nothing. It's not your agent. It's not your lack of agent. It's your, it's your mind. It's you deciding that you can't do a thing because of some obscure reason that you're giving importance to. And yeah, I do think if you don't believe you could jump and be and take this risk and be a full-time actor, why is someone going to believe it watching you? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like we have to put our money where our mouth is. And I know that money is real and paying bills is real and all of these things. But at some point, if you're not going to take that step for yourself, no one's going to tell you to do it. No one's going to be mm -hmm. like, I mean, unless you have like a kick-ass person in your life who's like, you got to fucking do it. But like, you have to want to do it. You have to want to quit and just jump. And honestly, 99% of the time, great things happen when you make these leaps. Hugely transformative things happen when you finally are like, I'm going to, I need to burn, like in The Alchemist, the book, The Alchemist, Love, Love, Love. He's like, I, you have to burn all the bridges or the ships. When you get to the island, you got to burn all your ships so you can't go back. And I'm not saying burn bridges with people. Don't, don't <laughs> hurt people's feelings. Don't be mean. You got to leap. And then there's no plan B. There is no, mm -hmm. well, unless you have unprotected sex and then you need plan B, but there's no plan B. You can't take the ships back home. You got to go forward. And most of the time, you'll be pleasantly surprised that things start lining up because you believe they could. And it has to be you. It has, mm -hmm. No one else is going to believe it. And once you start believing it, then other people will believe it. And they'll be like, wow, things are just like working out for you. You're just like, seems like you're just like so lucky. Must be nice to be you. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, you have no idea. I worked hard on my mindset and I've taken a lot of crazy risks. And it's not hard to be me because I, I don't know. I don't want to be you. Get out of here. <laughs> like People are going to yeah. talk. <laughs> people are going to talk. Your parents are going to not want They're not going to understand it. Some friends are going to be like, oh, but you got to do you. And, and just like, just know, like you get one shot in this life. I don't know if we're going to live again. We might. But if you have that inkling where you're like, man, I always thought I could be a Disney Channel movie surfer. Um, and I just have never unthought that. There's always been or I've always I just wanted to be on a show and man, like what what are you what are you waiting for? It's not going to come at you Like you got to go at it. You get mm -hmm. you get one life to kind of keep swinging. And it sounds like you you did it. I mean, you made the, you did the hard stuff. Now you're just kind of in the, how can I keep this going? Eek. Yeah. Ah, ah, the industry shutting down. What the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. I'm in, I'm in the midst of a bunch of obstacles for sure, but I'm taking it day by day and it's been really fun. And personally, just like on a very like emotional level, I just feel more like myself. I feel like this is mm. what I'm supposed to be doing and it feels right. And maybe it will last for five years, 10 years, maybe it will last till the end of this year, who knows. But that's also I think that you and I have in common, we've done so many different things. And you can look at it either way of like, you know, jumping around from career to career, or you can look at it like developing a belt full of experiences that just are fun to have. And I think it's nice to be where I'm at now and have experienced kind of all the different things I went through from youth to now and be able to say that it's possible 
and tell the person next to me that if they want to do it, it's like, look at me, I'm, I'm kind of doing it. So you probably could kind of do it too. Totally. And that's the reason why you wanted to talk about this today. I think mm. that is so true and, and very inspiring. But to your point, like you might be sitting here and be like, I don't know, 50 years old and be like, I'm, I feel like I, I'm kind of like ready to do what I always wanted to do, but I've, I've worked in uh, law my whole life. And I don't know of like who would want to hire like a 50 year old like lawyer to be in a short film. I don't know. What am I doing? Or I'm a doctor. Like it doesn't matter. Like you have had a lifetime of rich experiences and you have all these skill sets that are going to transfer over to whatever you want to do. Art is art. It's beautiful that you could bring your life. I think some of the best actors of our time are the ones who came in late, came in late to the game. They're late bloomers and they just, they have this like, just this depth of life experience. That's so cool compared to like a child yes. actor who's just always been, you know, acting and apples and oranges, like love Ryan Gosling forever, but it's, <laughs> it's just different. Morgan Freeman is different than Ryan Gosling. Morgan Freeman got his break super late. Steve Carell also late, but everything contributes to everything. Nothing is a waste. No experience you've had in your life is a waste. It's mm -hmm. never too late. One of my favorite quotes from my life, from my health class in 12th grade, it, that I hung on my full length mirror in my bathroom that my mom always reminds me of and she gets the quote wrong. But the quote is, a year ago, you'll wish you started today. A year ago, you'll wish you started today. And that became Another mantra I had when I was 18, it's always, it's like sits in me. And I'm also a Gemini, so I'm always starting things. Me too. Um, really? Yeah. When's your birthday? June 8th. I'm one. Wow. Oh. That Welcome. makes total sense. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Gemini season is over, but we had a good run. <laughs> yeah. It was fun while it lasted. See you next time. It was so fun, was <laughs> it? Uh, June was a total shit show for me. But I will say on that note, yeah, think about think about it. And like, if you want to start playing a musical instrument, if you start tomorrow, then in a year, you'll be like, I started last year and now I can play like 10 songs. I don't think there's any excuses to not start something Yeah. that yeah. you've always wanted to do. I get so like unnecessarily frustrated when I hear other people say that, you know, they can't do something because they have never done it. It's like, that's mm -hmm. the whole point. You've Duh. never done it. Don't try it. I know. I know. I'm always telling my mom who's a retired attorney who shouldn't be retired. If you're listening, mom, love you. Love you, mom. But I do think that there's so many cool, amazing opportunities that she could dive into and other kind of career shifts or whatever, like get getting certified in XYZ. Because I, I always like to say it's not over until you say it's over. Mm -hmm. There's just so many things available. You can always change. Listen, if you don't like whatever you choose when you start it and give it like a fair shot and throw yourself into it, it's your life. You can you can go do something else or back out or go back to whatever. But I, I do think you owe it to yourself to, to at least try something. At least yeah. try it and try it fully, you know? Give yeah. it your fucking best. All right, Maggie, uh, do you have any other final thoughts, advice, uh, upcoming projects or anything you want to share before we go away? Not really. Um, my dog and I have uh, an audition and it will it's in the next week or so. So we'll have happened by the time this comes out, I presume. So wish me luck. Maybe maybe we'll be on set together. Oh, wow. Uh, that would be excellent. By the time this airs. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Where can we find you on the web or social media? You can Google me. I'm sure I'll <laughs> pop up uh, on there. My last name is incredibly complicated. So my Instagram is Maggie Velocity. If you're into sort of physics and that thing, the equation for velocity 
speed times direction, I believe. That's me. Okay. That's- we'll put you in our, we'll put her in our show notes if you guys want to reach out. If you have any questions about modeling or getting into stuff or whatever, Maggie, I feel like she's super duper helpful and responsive and she'll probably see the messages and help you. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Open book. That. Ask me anything. I would love to to help you out. Ask me Do what you- I had for lunch. Like, ask her what she had. For, what did you have for lunch? Ooh, uh, I'm not proud of it, but I had Taco Bell. <gasps> what did you get at Taco Bell? Mm, well, I'm vegetarian, so I just got two cheesy bean and rice burritos. Oh, I'm, those are so good. Those are. Killer. I know there's a there's a vegetarian menu in like West Hollywood or something, or maybe Beverly Hills that I need to get to. But for now, I'm just sticking to the like the value menu. That's yeah, okay. no, I feel I feel that I do love a a good bean and cheeser. I honestly just bought refried beans and I might make that for lunch, but I'm eating leftovers. You guys, everybody listening, if you've made it this far, you're awesome. You haven't. I don't like you. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, thank you so much for, for tuning in to Slate It Till You Make It. If you got something out of today's episode, send it to a friend, share it with people, put it on social media, leave us a review. We we want you to keep coming back and listening and spread the word. I am Catherine Donnelly. This is Maggie Velocity. Did I say it? Velocity? Vel- uh, yeah, Velocity. Mag- yeah, yeah. Maggie Velocity with an A. Velocity. Oh my God, we're over here slating it till we make it. I hope. I hope you are too. We'll see you next time.